welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. So thankful that you joined us today on Thanksgiving. And I know that in this season, even though it's been wild, it's been crazy, we still have so much to be thankful for. And I'm excited because at the end of this experience today, we are gonna be taking communion together. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already, get out your your, your communion elements, get out the the wine or the grape juice, your bread, your cracker, whatever the case may be, Uh, get it out, join us, participate with us in the act of communion. I know it's gonna be an amazing, amazing morning and I'm believing for some major, major transformation in your mind, but also in your heart and in your body today. So I'm expectant and I hope you are today as well. As you know, we've been in this series and we've extended it by one week. We've been in a series called Let's Go Back a Bit. This is the last week of the the series, uh, the extended version. Uh, I know that it's encouraged so many of you. I've heard so many amazing reports about how it's encouraged you. I know that we've done a little bit differently as we've been going back and combing through older messages that carry prophetic significance for this season and following up with that and being uh, accountable to it by you know believing and expecting and also positioning ourselves for these things to come to pass. Uh, the thing I love about this season is that it's allowed us to do things a little bit differently. And I think that sometimes we can get so caught up in what God is saying now and the future and the new thing and the new thing. When God's saying, listen, what I'm saying to you right now is to go back and listen to the old thing, listen to the old word, because if you can follow up and you can be accountable to that and you can position yourself, I will do the new thing that you're looking for. So sometimes the new thing is actually the old thing by going back and remembering what God has said to our lives. And so our premise for this whole series has been James chapter five, verse 17 to 18, that says, Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. I can't wait, and I believe that this is gonna be our experience, that everything will start growing again, even in the midst of a drought, even in the midst of no rain, a famine, so to speak, that Elijah prophesied about, that at some point, there is going to be a shift and everything will start growing again. That's my encouragement to you in this season. God, let it begin on Thanksgiving Sunday for so many of our lives in Jesus' name. Now, this scripture is actually in reference to 1 Kings chapter 17, where Elijah the prophet 
prophesied that it would not rain for three and a half years. And then three and a half years goes by, and you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 to 45, where he says and prophesies to King Ahab to get his chariots ready because he hears the sound of an abundance of rain. But then right away, what happened? He went and prayed. He went and positioned himself. He followed up. He was accountable to the word, and he positioned himself in a place of prayer and prayed that it would rain, sending his servant to go check for the evidence of his prayer being answered. Seven times, Elijah says to his servant, look again, look again. And at the the last time, uh, Elijah's servant comes back with a report saying, Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. The sign has come. It's going to rain. And so I believe in this season, it's so important for us to go back a little bit, to go after our words, to be accountable, and then to position ourselves like Elijah in a place of prayer and a place of preparation, seeing and looking for what God is doing, looking for the evidence of what God is doing through all the things that he's promised over our lives. And so let's dive into today. Once again, week four, let's go back a bit. We're gonna be diving into a message from August, from August of 2019 called Betrayals and Thankfulness, Activating the Supernatural as we dive into Thanksgiving Sunday and taking communion together. Let's dive into this together. This whole message, let me just make this statement. Communion, like baptism, is not a symbol. It's not a symbolic act. I want to get that out of your mindset because when you think symbolic act, you think simply I'm just doing something to represent something. It's way more than that. It's an experience. Absolutely. An experience with God is more than a symbol. I want to get that out on the table right away. Communion is not something to be considered as just this symbolic act that's taken lightly. In fact, Paul, because he understood the weight and the importance of what we call the Lord's Supper in Scripture, he brought some major correction to some major error because people were not valuing it like they should. And because they were not valuing it like they should, they were not getting out of it what they were supposed to get out of it. And so as a result, there were people that were weak and dying because they were not drawing from the deposit or withdrawing from the deposit of the value of what communion really is. So Paul was bringing order and some correction. There was fighting going on, competing going on, people rushing it, people just not respecting it like they could. Now let me just backtrack even more from the book of 1 Corinthians into the book of Acts. If you read Acts chapter 2, when the church was first birthed, okay, it was birthed as 3,000 people. You know, imagine being a mom and birthing 3,000 people. Well, that's what the church did in one day. 3,000 people had an encounter with Jesus when the Holy Spirit showed up in Acts chapter 2. And then we read on through Acts chapter 4 and 5, and we see the the advancing of the church. It went from 3,000 to 5,000, and it kept on growing. But one of the attributes that we read about between Acts chapter 2 and even Acts chapter 5 is the consistency of the act and experience of communion in the everyday life of believers. Let me just say that again. In the everyday life of believers, it wasn't once a week, once a month. It wasn't once, you know, a week when the priest or the pastor, you know, blesses the communion and gives it to you, drops it in your mouth. No, it was not like that. It was an everyday thing. 
communion is connected to an everyday thing for the average believer not for the elite blessing some you know element and giving it to you and distributing it to you nothing wrong with that but that is not what it was like when god first established and instituted and actually hoped for before he died when he had what we call the last supper okay jesus instituted this this experience that was to take place consistently after he was gone consistently the church did it and carried it on consistently after he was gone but then over time what began to happen it became more of a religious symbol and more of a religious like sort of thing we do in the routine of our everyday spiritual life that then it became like okay we're not we're not allowed to do it without like the right context Ooh, you get what i'm saying like, a, you know, a pastor's got to be involved or something. No, you, this should, should be something that is happening consistently in your family, in your everyday, yep. a, as a normal part of your life culture. Okay, now, for some of you, that right there is already over your head. You're like, really? I didn't know that. I thought I had to be super spiritual to do this. No, you just have to know who Jesus is and understand that he's in your life and be in relationship with him to understand the value of what it will do for your life. Let me, I'll read, let me read the scripture for you in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11. Okay, Paul is writing. He's bringing correction. I mean, even more in this season, just to comment on sort of where I'm going with this, is that even more in the season when we're in a place where we can't meet physically, do we just stop all the things that we used to do just because we can't meet physically? I think this is a season of a wake-up call that we need to get into our own Bible. We need to get into the word ourselves. We need to pray and worship ourselves. We don't need to rely on a gathering to facilitate that. Yes, it's important that we gather, and yes, it's important that we have that and do facilitate that for for people, but it can't just be that. It has to be more than that. And in a season like this, we have no other choice. We can't necessarily take communion as a community right now, but we can take communion as a families, as individuals, as married couples out there watching online, you don't have to be in a service where a priest is blessing or a pastor is blessing the the, the Eucharist or the, the communion elements. You don't have to be in that scenario to continue to do and practice what is actually super important in our faith. And so if there was ever a season where it's highlighted that, listen, we need to learn how to live faith out without just relying on community to do it all for us. We have to figure out what we believe ourselves and live it out. And community is just the icing on the cake. It's just the cherry on top that we get to do and gather each week, which is why we're doing this right now. I know it's not in person, but even online, like it can't just be about online. It's got to be our, an everyday practice and lifestyle of faith, not just once a week. And so that's kind of where I'm going with where I've already with what I've already said in the first few minutes. So let's continue on. And he says this in verse 23, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. Ooh, I love the this. Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Everyone say thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. He, on the night he was betrayed, like, uh, isn't that, I, I love that. Whenever I talk on this, I just, I just want to stay there for a second. On the night, on the he, night was betrayed, he was he betrayed, he gave thanks. He had an ability to give thanks for something. Most of us, in the season like, of COVID, betrayed. We we're like, we're not being positive at all in anything. We're not even thinking thankful thoughts. When hell breaks loose, we we're give thanks. We're thinking revengeful thoughts. 
I've been betrayed. We're thinking painful thoughts. We're thinking not God thoughts, but our thoughts. You get what I'm saying? But on the night he was betrayed by his, one of his closest friends for a bunch of money, for 30 pieces of silver, this guy Judas. named Judas betrays his friend Jesus, really is the cause of why Jesus gets onto the cross. It was all part of the plan. But his friend betrays him, not only betrays him, but betrays him also with a kiss. So he even acts continually, continually like he's all about Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus greets Judas in the garden on the night he was betrayed and even addresses Judas by saying, friend. Mind-blowing. Imagine that, eh? We're so mature that we can call the betrayer that is about to betray us a friend even though they're about to betray us. This shows you the character of, of, of Jesus you know, shows us the character that we are to emulate in our lives. Yeah. Man, that you, some of us, every one of us has been betrayed by somebody, right? And I think maybe you're watching this, you're like, well, you know what? I can't really relate right now. I know that every one of us in life has been or will be betrayed at some point uh, by people. But even in this season, I think a lot of us feel betrayed just in general by, the, by life, you feel betrayed by, maybe you feel betrayed by the way your government has handled certain things during this season. You feel betrayed by certain leaders in your life or, or, or mentors or, or other, other scenarios as a result of what's happened uh, during this COVID season. We just feel betrayed at some level. Hell is breaking loose. And how do we how do we stand in, in this season? I believe one of the greatest keys, and I've been sharing this the last four weeks, really, uh, during this quarantine season, going back, and what are some of the words that God promised and spoke to us in this last season? I think one of the greatest things that we could do and practice or values that we can uh, implement in and through our life is an attitude, a moving uh, uh, a moving sort of attitude, I say moving, I mean like constant, like let it keep moving, a space of thankfulness, an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude, where, where even though we don't understand how this season's gonna play out, we don't understand when it's gonna, gonna end and when things will go back to what we call a new normal, I think one of the greatest things that will pull us through this season, and greatest attitudes that will pull us through this season is an attitude of thankfulness, thanking God that in the midst of feeling like life has betrayed me, life has not gone the way that I've wanted it to go, I can still be thankful because God, you are a good God. And this is sort of where I'm going with this, so let's watch this. And once again, I'm commenting on this live. I actually haven't watched this, uh, so I don't even know what I'm gonna say next, but uh, let's continue to dive into this. If you haven't, you live in a cave. You, live, you don't have it, you have no relationship. You have, you've never been, been around people. If you've been around people, I can guarantee you at some level you've been betrayed. On the night he was betrayed, he's like, thank God. It's all part of his plan. You know what? Some of your betrayals are the greatest asset or greatest aspect to your destiny. You don't Ooh. even know it. Some of the greatest oh, betrayals, let me see it again, in your life are some of the greatest aspects and elements that are going to contribute to you yep. fulfilling your destiny in life and your purpose in life. Without those betrayals, you would not be able to Ooh. handle what God wants to give you. Without the betrayals, the betrayals we would not be able to handle. You wow. know what in life. It's a good thing. Some of you are thinking, well, what is that? Well, I'll let you just make it up in your mind. Should I say it again? Love the problem. Love the trial. Love is the pushback. Is anybody here? 
It's all part of Is your it journey. Is a long weekend, Harley? I don't know. Uh, Don, are you here? What's going on? Where are my Nigerian, like, responders here? Come on. In this time, it's where are the comments? Where Listen, are the likes? Where are the shares? Where are the subscriptions on our YouTube channel? give you the boldness that you need to reach and grab a hold of your future. This is how we respond, you guys. This is how we John respond. John 6. G I mean, Jesus addressed his, uh, uh, set me free once. I, I oh, read John this, six. set me oh. free from some stuff I was going through. I, I, I read this, this and John I meditated six. on it for good, like days chapter. and days and if not weeks and it set me free in John 6. You could read uh, some, there's an amazing story in John 6. And, and I love John the disciples six. hear Jesus actually kind of reference what I'm about to reference here in a second. Jesus says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part with me. In other words, unless you're all in with me, you're all in. He's not talking about cannibalism. Unless you're all in with me and I'm all in with you, really, you have no part with me. And there was a whole bunch of people that he'd been mentoring at the time that were like, whoa, that's a hard saying. I'm offended. What, are you, what is he talking about? Like, it's just too much for me. And they left him. It says they walked away. Then Jesus turns to his 12 and says, hey, they walked away. I know this is a little bit of an intense thing I just said. It offended you. You know what the word offense, what, you, know what a, you know what an offense is? It's a stumbling block put in front of you to trip yeah. you up. You can either move around it and move over it or let it trap you and trick you into a place of destroying you. Or you can actually move through it and get better because of it. Yep. So Matthew eleven six, Jesus Huge. says to John's disciple, he says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Ooh. In other words, the word is you are elongated in your life in influence and you, you receive what God wants to give you when you overcome or move through and around offenses in life. It's so good. I don't know if you caught that, but... You know, it says in Matthew, I believe it's eleven six, where Jesus says to John's disciple, when they're wrestling, when John's wrestling, he's in jail, he sends a disciple, he's wrestling with, uh, is Jesus really the Messiah? Even though I baptized him, I announced him as the Messiah, the one who would take away the sin of the world. And now I'm doubting because of the way he's going about his business. He's, he, his way is offending me. And Jesus' response to the curious disciple that John the Baptist sends out while he's in jail to really find out, is Jesus really the one, because he's doubting, his response is, blessed is he who's not offended by me. And I, I would propose this to us, that I believe a lot of the offense that we live through in life or are coming up against in life actually is Jesus trying to manifest in and through us new levels of humility, trust, obedience, and faith. And often what we think as just uh, this horizontal uh, uh, offense or horizontal warfare is actually vertical, uh, a ver the vertical purpose of God. When I say vertical, like we, we live horizontally in the sense of with people, but then we have our vertical relationship with God. And often what we feel is just horizontal actually is God's vertical. It's God's plan. It's part of his purpose. Just like, I, I don't think I've even said it yet, but in John 6, it talks about how Jesus says to his disciple, he says, did I not choose the 12 of you? And yet one of you is a devil. In other words, 
one of you, what, what feels just like horizontal warfare is actually a part of the vertical purpose of God, the vertical plan of God. Like you have to betray me so I can actually manifest my purpose. And I chose it. I mean, Jesus chose the betrayer knowing that he would betray him. And so I don't know how I got to that, but all I to say all that to say is that it's very important in this season that we understand that what offends us could be God trying to bless us because blessed is he who's not offended by me. And that word, I broke it down and I love it. I will say it again. It means to elongate, to expand. I want to be expanded in my influence. I want to be expanded as a leader. I want to grow through the offense, I don't want to just go through the offense and get cut up by it and get destroyed by it. I want to grow through the offense. I want to get larger. I want to get larger in capacity and actually look at the offense as like, hey, could this be God, a, a part of the design? Could this be part of the how life is to come at me to, to promote good in me? I'm not saying that God is giving you all these things all the time. I'm just saying God uses these things because he knows they're gonna happen. He uses them. He will use anything that we give him. He'll use life. He'll use all the bad. He'll turn it into good because that's who he is. He's redemptive. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a redemptive God. So God is always taking bad and turning it into good. But we have to choose to grow through it as we go through it. So let's continue on. This is really good. Sometimes offenses look like betrayal. So Jesus in John 6, he's, he, 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 he. Sometimes offenses, ooh, sometimes offenses look like betrayal. Let that sink in for a second. Sometimes the offense that's designed to grow you, build you, looks like betrayal. Think about a, a moment where you've been betrayed by a person. They've backstabbed you. They, maybe they, they, they stopped being the person they once were in support of you and you're offended by them. They're trash talking you. They're, they're whatever the case may be. You feel you're, you've been offended or, or betrayed by someone close to you, someone that you care about. What if it's that very betrayal that, that really is an offense that is designed to grow you, has, is designed to build you up? What if... You're, you're choosing to stay cut up by it, cut up by the fence, the offense, trapped by it, then actually, you know, cutting through it, moving through it, and actually being stronger because of it. What if you're choosing to stay in the pain of it rather than finding the purpose in the pain and actually seeing God bless you through it by how you respond, by how you pray for these individuals, by how you honor these individuals, even in the midst of all the betrayal? Because Jesus did it, you guys. This is the whole communion story, really, when he was instituting the Last Supper. On the night he was betrayed, he gave thanks. In the season of quarantine, when life is, is just chaotic, I'm giving thanks. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, where it feels as though I shouldn't be thankful because of A, B, C, D, my business is bankrupt, this, this has happened, my family, all this kind of stuff's happening in my life, it's chaos, I shouldn't be thankful. On this, during this season, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I'm gonna be thankful. Why? Because it's who Jesus is. And he's our prototype. He is the cornerstone from which we build our life on. And so, man, this is so good. I'm, I'm getting so much from this. Let's continue watching. A whole bunch of his crew that he's discipling, they all leave. He looks at his 12, his more inner, his inner circle of 12 and says, hey, they left. Uh, I know this is a hard saying, guys. Are you going to leave too? 
And then he says this statement. He says, did I not choose the 12 of you? That's what he says. Did I not choose the 12 of Here you, and yet one of you is a devil? That's what he said. What he was saying is, and yet one of you is going to betray me. I already know who it's going to be. I, and I chose my betray. Listen, he, Jesus chose his own betrayer. It's powerful. It was a part of his destiny and purpose. You have some chosen betrayers in your life. Oh, someone just walked by Whether again. they know it or not, that are a part of your future. And you need to thank them for it. You know what Joseph did to his brothers who betrayed him and threw him into a pit? He threw, Joseph had a whole, bunny, a whole bunch of brothers I love that betrayed him. Joseph. Okay, threw him into a pit, ripped up his favorite winter coat, sold him into slavery and then lied to the father and said he, he must be dead tricked the father into believing that there his 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 son was dead and at that time his like his 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 youngest was dead the, the dad was devastated joseph's dad was devastated jacob was devastated you hear what i'm saying joseph was sold into slavery years went by Years went by. His brothers, when they came back and realized that Joseph story. actually wasn't dead, because they, they knew he wasn't dead, but they didn't know for sure. But G, when Joseph saw his brothers years and years later, and now was like second in command over all of Egypt, yep. he went from nothing, ripped up coat, abandoned, Literally. rejected, betrayed by his very own family, you guys. Falsely accused. And yet when he saw his brothers... Over 27 years later, they didn't even recognize him, but he recognized them. He wept. He wept, you guys. He saw them with forgiveness in his heart mm. and said to them, you us. didn't send me or sell me into slavery. God sent me here to save you and preserve your lives. That's what he said. I'm paraphrasing right now. You can read about it. It's crazy. The betrayal of his brothers actually is what set him up for his destiny. And he thanked them for it. Thank you for your betrayal. High five, props, fist bump, thumbs up, you know, whatever you guys do, like, uh, like whatever you do. <laughs> he did that to his brothers, said, thank you guys. Hey, listen, you think it was your betrayal? No, it was God's setup. Come on, yeah. What you thought was a setback was God's setup for me. I would not be in command over all of Egypt, fulfilling my purpose yeah, in this, life if it wasn't so for good. your betrayal. So thank you for your betrayal. You can betray me all you want, my Ooh. own family, and it was all a part of God's purpose in my life. Such a good word for us. If you could look at your betrayers, if you could look at the problems in your life right now differently and begin to thank, not... I'm not trying to promote thanking God for all the bad things in your life, but to look at it through a God perspective and thank God for the thing that happened because you can see now how that's gonna produce something great in and through your life. If you could look at your, I mean, jo Joseph did it. I, I love it. And it's one of my favorite stories in scripture. Joseph looked at his brothers and said, you did not, when they were like in remorse, they were like, is, is, the, is Joseph ever gonna forgive us? When they had the revelation that this was actually their brother because they didn't recognize him, looked totally different. But when they had the realization that Joseph was there, that was their brother, that, that was standing in front of them, and they were like, are you ever gonna forgive us? We're sorry, I mean, we're bowing down, we're freaking out. Joseph looked at them and said with eyes of forgiveness and said, hey, you didn't send me here. God sent me here to preserve 
your life. And I believe that, man, one of the greatest signs of, a for, uh, of forgiveness in, in our life and in, in through our life is when we can look at the people that have hurt us, wronged us, come against us, and even let's just call it life in general and say thank you because if it wasn't for you, I would not become the person I am today. Now, maybe you're fresh in it and you can't say that yet. My encouragement to you is to continue to pray for them. One of the signs, first signs of forgiveness in someone's life is that you actually think about them and you pray for them and you bless them. You don't come at them, you don't, you know, write posts online about them and freak out on them and, you know, publicly go at them and you think that's gonna solve it and be a sign of forgiveness? No, bless them, pray for them, honor them, talk good about them even behind, behind the scenes when no one's listening. Bless them in any way that you can at any time. I'm telling you, it's one of the first signs. But I, I believe God wants to get us to a point where we can begin to see now how all those things that once felt horrible to go through were actually a part of our purpose and the plan of God. God wanted to bless us. And we had to move through the offense that looked like betrayal or the betrayal that looked like offense. And we had to move through it so that we could come out better, bigger, larger in spirit. That's the goal of God. Our character is called to be developed through those seasons and through those times. Let's continue on. You guys, betrayal is one of the, the best things that can happen to you and the worst things that can happen to you. I just feel to stay on this for a second because wow, yeah. this, I wasn't even going to go here. But I feel like to stay here just for a moment because we need to realize that the opposition, the offense, the challenges, and the trials in life are a part of shaping oh, us I'm and out of the shot. rooting us, guiding us towards our destiny. It's good training for our team. They're not there I'm to our detriment. The right now. They're there to our advantage. <laughs> They're only there to our detriment when we lean into them and focus on them and not on the higher element that's going on that God is going to use with them in our life. Look to your neighbor and say, bring on the betrayal. Bring on the betrayal. That's a scary statement for a lot Not of us. Not that you want to invite it. <laughs> no one likes but, going through it. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but, let me just tell you, there's always a big but in church. But, always a big but in church. Yeah, I said that. But God will use it. But God will use it. There you go. That's redeemed God that. will use it if you're healthy and mature enough to see through it. God will use it. Yep. Joseph's like, thank you guys. You set me up to fulfill my destiny. You thought you were coming against me and squashing my destiny. Your betrayal set me up to fulfill my destiny. Ooh. Hey, Judas, thank you, Judas. Thank you, Judas, for I your betrayal. I chose you. You were one of my friends. It pushed this me to the part cross. of the plan. Thank you. You set it up. We should be looking at Judas. Thank you, Judas. If it wasn't for Judas, he was part of the plan. He set it up. So Jesus went to the cross, died for all of us, set us free. Judas, wherever you are, Thank you. There's always a Judas. You get, what, you get what I'm saying here. The more thankful you are for even the stuff that you don't like in life, the more you invite God's favor into your life. Ooh, yeah. Let me say it again. The more thankful for you that you are towards the things that you hate in life sometimes. Wow, yeah. The more that you invite God's favor into your life to set you up to fulfill the things that God's called you to fulfill in life. It's thankfulness is an invitation to God, back. for God to move, always. 1 Corinthians Especially chapter in the 11. Area of communion. 
verse 23, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks. This is a weighty word, I just you painted guys. that verse to you in a whole different light. Jesus is thanking God on the night he was betrayed. That word thanks, everyone say it. Say thanks. Thanks. Is the word in the Greek, Eucharistio. Ooh, I love everyone this. Eucharistio. One of my favorite topics to teach on. said like or Eucharistio. Let me just give you a working definition for Eucharistio. It actually means the good and well-meaning favor of God. In a so we get the word or the term Eucharist or from, which is what the good and well-meaning favor of God, to, which is why moments. we call the Lord's Supper the Eucharist. Really, the Lord's Supper in and of itself is not the Eucharist. The Eucharist. The reason why it's called the Eucharist is from this word Eucharistio. We find in a verse before the Lord's Supper is even taken, and it's in the Thanksgiving component of the Lord's Supper. We give thanks for what we're about to do. We give thanks for the supper we're about to partake in. We give thanks for the broken body and the blood that was poured out on the cross over 2,000 years ago and how that connects to our life presently. We give thanks to God, and in the thanks of God, we're acknowledging the good and well-meaning favor of God, even though life sucks right now, even though life is hard right now. Quarantine, COVID, coronavirus. I invite the favor of God. We're inviting the favor of God. We're thanking God that even in the midst of it, we would give God your good. Where it started, giving thanks before a meal? Well, out of respect for the one who provided the meal, right? But when you give thanks to God, you're not saying, I, I, I really have a hard time when people pray stuff like, God be with us. It's, he's always with you. He's omnipresent. The word it, omni, actually. he means he's fully engaged all the time, everywhere. should know better. He's omnipresent. He's always with you. It's whether or not you're aware of it or not. Your prayer should be, God, help me to be aware that you're with us because you're always yes. with us. That's the, that's the revelation that's the you need to come into right there. is the awareness of him always with the you. Don't pray prayer. prayers like be with me. He is with you. God's like, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, sis, all the time. Just be aware. Turn the light on inside of you yep. and you'll see me. Okay? So when we give thanks, though, before a meal, the reason why we give thanks is because we invite the favor of God into the meal, especially if the meal's poisoned. No, I'm being serious. This is part of the reason why we would do this. This is why why they would do it back then in that culture. Culturally, they believed that when they thanked God, like what they did at the Lord's Supper, it would change the inner essence of the food. So if anything was going on in the food, the, the, the bacteria, whatever, I mean, it would change. Even though they wouldn't see it from the natural eye, the inner essence would change. And that's where we get, we get in Roman Catholic theology the word transubstantiation. Everyone say that. Transubstantiation. Not the outward elements change. The outward elements do not change, but the inner essence of those elements change. Okay, let me just paint a picture for you. 2 Corinthians 5 says that you're a a new creation. If you've let Jesus into your life, you're a new creation. Where'd I go? Okay, if you've let Jesus into your life, physically speaking, I may not know that you are a new creation. I don't see it on the outside. But on the inside, you're a new person. You've just been transubstantiated. That's good. You, the, the, the inner you is no longer the you that you knew. The new you is on the inside. But you still look the same, Michael, on the outside. I mean, you gave your life to Jesus. You, you're all in. He's all in with you. But you look the same. You're still wearing the same glasses. you got the same shirt. you got the same beard. You have the same uniform. You have the same watch. But on the inside, you're brand new. Yep. So when Jesus said thanks for the Lord's Supper in this context and broke the bread and said thanks for the, 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 the blood, yep. what happened was the inner essence changed. That's why it moves from just a symbolic act to an experience. Yep. 
because something supernatural has changed and been initiated. In the Eucharistia, in the Thanksgiving, like, well, in that moment, I can show you all throughout Scripture where this exists. It changed the, the very the gospel, nature of are, what he was thanking God for. On the inside, it's an outward sign and the of an invisible reality. That's really what what uh, a sacrament really is. If you if you've been so in the thanks, Catholic this is Church my body. and you're like the sacraments and blood. there's like seven holy sacraments. Well, one of them was communion oh, and baptism, but really it's an outward sign. The definition of a sacrament is an outward sign of an inv of an invisible reality. An outward sign of an invisible reality. Something is going on on the inside. Acts chapter 19. You can go there, verses 11 and 12. Peter, or pa Paul just touched some handkerchiefs and aprons. And then those things were brought to people who were demonized, that had like a bunch of demons, that had disease, that were sick, and they were healed. Oh, the camera moved a little bit. I don't know, is it up there? God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had really touched the skin it's a great were example placed of on the sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits the were expelled. Outward stayed How the same, but the inward the essence changed. No. The inner essence of the handkerchief did it. What does yep. that mean? Well, something happened to the handkerchief. You get what I'm saying? Something happened on the inside. He touched it. He gave thanks for it. Thank you, God, that everything that's mine is blessed. Thank you that, that everything that I touch is blessed. Why? Because God is in me. Think about it. If God is, if the creator of blessing himself dwells within you, guess what? What you touch has the power to be blessed and changed. Yep. So here are these handkerchiefs and aprons. The outside looks the same, but the inner essence has changed. Could that be transubstantiation? Absolutely. Everything looks the same on the outside, but the inside's changed. Yep. What about in Deuteronomy? And I don't have the scripture for it. But when they were when they were walking for forty years in the wilderness, it actually says that their sandals did not wear out. Mm. How does that make any sense? Forty years. Like imagine that a forty-year warranty on reefs. Like, like forty years Birkenstock warranty. Like they're not gonna wear out forty years. Imagine the same underwear forty years didn't wear out. Look brand new every day. Nasty. 40 years. Socks, everything, brand new every day. That's called a miracle. Yep. The inner essence, something about the inner essence of the cotton, <laughs> of the leather, I don't know. It just, it was supernatural. It l outlasted the average person. Remember, if you've, you're lost a little bit, I'm talking about when we, we give Eucharistio and we thank God for the elements. Thanksgiving really is an invitation to change the very essence of the thing that we're engaging with. And I'm talking about in the context of taking communion, where, where this, this term transubstantiation sort of came from. It came from this idea that when we thank God and we give Eucharistio, the, although the outward, the outward elements do not change, there's an invisible reality that does change. There's a transubstantiation of sorts. There's a, there's a, a changing, a transforming uh, work that's happening inside of the uh, inside of the the thing that we're praying for or around and so I use the example like in Deuteronomy about the the clothes that did not wear out for 40 years well how's that possible uh, something supernatural the essence of those sandals changed or we're talking about Acts 19 I believe it's verse 12 where the handkerchiefs were brought to the sick that touched Paul's body 
and they healed the sick and cast out demons by just the touch of them. Well, the handkerchiefs looked like handkerchiefs, but the inside, the essence on the inside was different. The same thing as a new creation in Christ. When you accept Jesus into your life, your body may look the same on the outside, but on the inside, you are a brand new man, a brand new woman in spirit, okay? So we see the evidence of this all throughout, I mean, scripture uh, in, in general, but I'm connecting the thought behind when we thank God, and we release Eucharistio, we invite the good and well, remember the definition, the good and well, meaning favor of God, into the moment, changing the inner essence of the thing. That's why, and I'll, re, I'll probably say it eventually, I don't know, maybe I don't in this, but you know, you read it in Mark, in the beginning chapters of Mark, when he's, when Jesus is multiplying the food, he says he gave thanks, he gave the word Eucharistio, and the food multiplied. So even though it was a few loaves of bread, the inner essence on the inside changed, and all of a sudden now it was thousands of loaves of bread, although from the outside it looked exactly the same. That's why it was a miracle. As they were passing it out and breaking it and, and passing it out, it was multiplying. It didn't multiply first, it multiplied after they, were begin, they, they began to pa pass it out. As they were doing it, it multiplied. So let's continue on. I wanted to give a little bit more credibility and uh, uh, insight into what I'm talking about. 40 years. It lasted. So Jesus, he, he, he says thanks, and he, when he says thanks, he invites a realm, a realm, okay? Everyone say realm. Realm. A realm of heaven into the moment. He invites a realm of heaven into the moment by giving thanks. This is an amazing he Thanksgiving the good message. And well meaning favor of God. He invites the good and well meaning favor of God. He invites, I want you to think about this for a second. Every time you say thank you, you are opening yourself up to the good and well meaning favor of God in your life. Every time. When you say thank you in the midst of dark times, in the midst yep. of betrayal, in the midst of when you don't have enough, when you don't have enough money to pay your bills, and you still say thank you, it's a sign of a renewed mind and it's a statement of faith that says, I believe despite what I see. I walk by faith, not by what? Sight. So I don't see it, but I'm thankful that I have it and that I have what I need by faith. Yep. It's the faith walk. Doesn't always make sense. Never darkness. makes sense. That's actually. what faith looks like walking around in darkness. You can't see, but you walk. Faith is not faith when you see everything going on. Faith is only turned on and activated when you don't see what's going on, yep. but you still walk forward and move forward. You don't even need to be a believer in Jesus to understand this. If you move forward into a situation, step out into a situation that's scary to you, chances are you're moving in some level of faith. It may not be a God-inspired faith, but it's some level of faith. You're stepping out into an area you don't know, aren't familiar with, you're uncomfortable with, you feel like it's dark, you don't know what's going to happen, you might sink, you might swim, you might drown, who knows, but I'm stepping out anyways. So Jesus, he gave thanks, he blessed it, he said, he said this, he said, this is my body, which is given for you, do this to remember me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And I'm going to dive into what that means in just a few moments, but I want to paint a little bit of a broader picture for you about the power of thanksgiving. Psalms 100 verse 4. Psalms 100 verse 4, it says, Love we enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. We enter his gates beyond with thanksgiving. Gate, beyond a door in life that we're trying to go through or access or unlock is something that you're looking for. 
prayer I was saying this morning to our team in our 855 Supernatural Leadership Training, which all of you encourage you to show up. It's going to be, it will be really beneficial for your life. But prayer is like being at the door and wiggling the handle, using a key to unlock the door or unlock a gate or try to push the gate or pull the gate open. Prayer is like standing at a gate or a door trying to access the other side. Whatever it is that's on the other side is what you're trying to access through prayer. You're believing for finances, believing for a new job, believing for a marriage, to meet your spouse, believing for a child, believing for some sort of breakthrough in your body, believing for and hoping for safety for a situation or whatever it is. It's like standing at the door and saying, whatever I need is on the other side of the door and I can see it through the window of the door. I can see it through the holes in the gate. I know it's mine and so I'm going to do whatever I can to get to it. But I gotta open this gate first. I gotta access, I gotta open the door. That's what yep. prayer looks like. It's good. Thanksgiving is the access point for you to open that door. It says we enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. You know what the word is for accessing or entering his gates in that scripture? The word is acting as your own gatekeeper. Do you know you have Love this. the access key in your hand right yep. now already? Thanksgiving is the but key. But all, all you need to do is shift your heart from an attitude to gratitude. Did you hear what I said? Some of us have an attitude towards why things aren't working out the way that we want it's them true. to work out. It's true. Right? Yep. We're entitled, especially the millennial generation. We're entitled. We think we deserve the world. We're wondering why things aren't working out the way that they should work out. God's like, hey, just invite me into your attitude and put a GR in front of it, and you'll have some gratitude. Ooh. Put a little grr in front of your attitude, and you'll have a gratitude. Just made that up on the spot. And, <laughs> and, and, and when you have gratitude, you're given the key now, and you act as your own gatekeeper. You yep. can open and close the door, whatever you want, because Thanksgiving, what does it do? It invites the good and well-meaning favor of God into a situation. Oh, and I'm gone. Right, Don? <laughs> Sorry for that. It invites the, the good and well-meaning favor of God. So you don't have the it right now. You don't feel like you're here, the folks. favor of God right now. You can't open the door. Sure you can't open happening. the gate. But when you thank God, thank God, thank you, God, that I can't open this gate. Thank God that Thanksgiving I'm standing is like at the, the gate. I can see access what's mine, but I cannot other access. Side thank you, God, that even in this moment in you are that's with me, and even what's beyond the gate that's mine, that I don't know when I'm ever going to access, is mine. Thank you, God, that I'm going to have it. I don't know when I'm going to have it, but I'm going to have it. Thank you, God. When I start doing that, I start changing the game and the equation. I start changing the atmosphere of my heart. I start changing the, the what is going to happen. Because right now, what was going to happen is I was going to stand here forever with an attitude. But now I've added the gird of my attitude and I have gratitude Ooh, and all of a sudden now I can open and close the gate attitude. at will. And you'll have gratitude. You hear what I'm saying? That's a word for today. Now the reality of it is when you open the gate, your blessing, your breakthrough, whatever it is that you're looking for, it may be a little bit of a walk down. Next time you have an attitude, just go grr and you'll have some gratitude. A little bit of a walk down the road still, <laughs> but at least now you know, oh, it's going down. It's going down, but I had to get through the gate first. Yeah. The gate was the first step. The first step is having a thankful attitude. The first step to change the inner essence of your situation is have a good attitude. Are you with me this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, let me just paint another picture for you. In Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers. 
Leprosy was a, an extreme skin condition of that time. They, they were considered the unclean of society. No one wanted to hang around them. The, people would scream, unclean. They would even scream, unclean, so no one would Seems like I've shared about coming, leprosy the last three weeks in a row. And they would because it was contagious. Wow. So here we have these 10 lepers. COVID and is Jesus, like the new leprosy. Jesus, he cleanses their skin condition, okay? Now, you got to understand that in this time frame, leprosy would actually be so bad that you would lose parts of your limbs. Yep. Fingers would fall off, and parts of your nose would fall off, ears would fall off, melt off your body, literally. I think Jicky like has walked across body. the screen probably like and So in this time, even times. when a leper would Since be cleansed, it doesn't mean they were made whole or they grew back limbs, grew back fingers. They didn't grow back. It didn't happen. They might be cleansed, healed, but they're still like dismembered in their body. So here we have 10 lepers. Jesus cleanses them and says, as you go, it actually says in Luke chapter 17, as they went, because they ha used to have to go to the priest to show themselves, to be affirmed, to have the document signed, yes, you are cleansed. So it was a three-day journey. So Jesus cleanses 10 lepers, says, you have been cleansed, you have been healed. Now go show yourself to the priest. It says, as they went, they were healed. Mm. So the statement was made, you're cleansed now, you got to go, you got you to you engage the process. And as they went, they were healed. Three days, okay? They got to the, the priest. The priest signed off on it. Yeah, you're healed. All good to go. Only one, it says, came back to thank Jesus. One came back to thank and Jesus. Ten, Remember that. You'd think all ten of them. We'd be like, man, like, I've been living in this state, in this condition for however, how many years, and you've just healed me. Only and one I, came I, back And I'm not even going to go back three days. A little ten. bit of an inconvenient journey. But sometimes, let me just tell you, the most inconvenient things in life bring the biggest blessings in your life. Yep, Absolutely. Without inconvenience, you have no blessing. Inconvenience and sacrifice live in bed together. They sleep together every night. Oh, that's a good word. Inconvenience and sacrifice. They're both inconvenient. They're both a part of the process to every good thing in life on the other side. Yeah. Only one out of ten came back. Came back three and a half days. Found Jesus. Stood and, and literally went prostrate. Fell on his knees. And literally thanked God. It says he thanked God. God for cleansing him of his leprosy. You know what that word was? Eucharistio. He Eucharistioed Jesus in that moment. He invited. He'd think, hey man, this guy's got the favor already. He's got everything he needs. He's been cleansed of his skin disease. Yep. He, but he goes a step further and he Eucharistios Jesus, invites the good God. and well-meaning favor of God again into his situation in gratitude. And what does Jesus say to him in Luke chapter Watch 17? This. You can read it between verses 16 and 18. He looks at the, the, the guy who was cleansed and says, now you've been made whole. Ooh. Healed. But totally healed. It's body, soul, spirit, wholeness. That means in that moment, the one out of the ten, because of thanksgiving, because he Eucharistio Jesus, not only did he grow back his limbs, his spirit man was made brand new. Everything yep. in him was whole again. Thanksgiving so important. Being thankful they is so important, you guys. Manifestation of healing. This guy had an inward and outward manifestation of healing called wholeness. The full combo. The popcorn, the Coke, and the M&Ms at the movie theater. The combo package. Oh, guy Suddenly like you only had the M&Ms. This guy <laughs> had the whole thing. So he enjoyed the movie a lot more than anybody else did in that moment. The movie of his future that now he could fulfill because he was whole, the other nine could never fulfill because they were so not. So good. Power of Thanksgiving. Of one moment of thanks. One moment. On the night Jesus was betrayed. One moment. Today can be that moment where it changes moment, everything because we're thankful. To go to the cross 
It initiated something. The element, something happened on the inside that he said, if you do this over and over again and you experience me over and over again in this way, it will transform your life. Mm. It will heal your life. It will change the game of your life. Are you with me? Can I just paint one last part of the, 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 the picture for you before we go on? Mark chapter 8. Mark 6, but Mark chapter 8 is the story of the Oh, the 4, I am going here. I referenced this earlier about Remember the Remember the story? Jesus did not have enough loaves, enough fishes. He has thousands of people. That was just the men they counted in that time. Could have been up to 20,000 people or more. Here he is, Jesus Wild. with no microphone, a few disciples that don't have a lot of faith. They have a little bit of bread and a little bit of fishes, and these guys are hungry. These people are hungry. These families, these kids are hungry, and all they have is a little bit. What does he do? What does he do? He doesn't look at the bread and say, shoot, man, we're like, we're in trouble. Like, we're, we're like, man, we got to go in and... We, I don't even know if McDonald's can handle the amount of Big Macs they need to make. Like, he wasn't thinking like that. He nope. was looking at what he had and said, you know what? I'm just going to give thanks for what I have. He gave thanks. He I'm gave Eucharistio again. I'm going to give thanks for what I don't have because when I do that, I'm going to access what Opens I know the gate. I already have. But enter his gates. That I have by faith. We access so when provision. I give thanks, something's going to change on the inside of those so loaves. Good. And that one loaf is going to turn into hundreds and thousands of loaves. Yeah. Did you hear what I just said? So Jesus takes the bread, looks up to heaven and says, Eucharistio! That's what he says. Eucharistio! Thank you! I'm inviting your favor. Yep. I'm inviting a transubstantiation moment to take That's place. That's what we're doing this where, morning. it's only one loaf, now through Thanksgiving, In this season, on Thanksgiving loaves. Sunday. So when I break it open and multiply it and distribute it, it's more than enough for everybody so who's hungry. It was a supernatural transfusion in that moment into the natural elements yep. of the bread and the fish. Isn't that amazing? The inner essence changed in that moment. Changes the, you should look at your wallet right now. Look at your wallet. Take your wallet out. Say Eucharistio. Thank you, God, that I have more than enough. Some of your wallets are on your phone. Thank you, God, that I have more than enough. Come on. That inside this wallet, there might be $10, but there's... 10 seeds that can produce thousands yep. of seeds. Look at what you have right now and thank God for it in, in the season. Room. During quarantine, during this season. Just joking. Thank but God for what it, you do it, have. In this one seed are thousands of seeds that come from one tree that produce thousands of more trees that produce thousands and tens of thousands of more fruit in our lives. This is so thank good. I don't want to even comment on this. This is so good. Thank you, right God, now. for this one moment. So when we take communion today, we're not just doing a symbolic act. Yep. We're having an experience. Because he says this. He says, he thanks God, and he looks at the bread, and then he, what does he do next? He breaks the bread, kind of like what he did when he distributed it. Oh, another cool thing is, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but in Luke 24, remember last week Eduardo shared about the road to Emmaus? When they got to the end of Emmaus, the end of the road, when they got to the end of the road, We're they sat about the disciples down with Jesus, the who they did not recognize as Jesus. And it talking says, Jesus, they, they broke recognize him. bread, and then they recognized him. You know what happens when you're thankful? Your eyes are opened. 
Ooh, so good. You're you're thankful your it eyes are Luke open. I'm not sure Come what on. verse it is. I don't know if you have it on there. In Luke 24, when they got to the it end does something of the to our heart, you guys, okay? when These we're guys thankful. Who were doubting, who were on the road it with helps Jesus, us perceive right and see they right. They get to the end of the experience, and it says they broke bread, and it says then their eyes were opened, and they recognized that it was Jesus all along. When you do, when you take communion, it's not just an act, it's an experience to open up your eyes to the one who's going to set you free, who already has set you Communion free. Communion is an experience to open up your eyes. It has the power to open up your eyes. He says this, he says, do this in remembrance of me. That, that word actually, that word actually means to bring me back to the forefront of your focus. Because oh. I've been in the trunk of your life or I've been in the backseat way too long. So you should do this every day as much as possible because when you do this, it puts me back into the front seat of your vehicle. Because mm. some of us, you know, we're, 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 we're good, man. Like, we're our own God. Like, we've, look what we've accomplished, man. Like, look what I've built for myself. Look at how hard I've worked. When we start to gloat like that, we put him in the trunk. Yeah, I believe in God. I mean, he's with me, but he's not really, like, with me. He's not really helping me navigate where I'm going. I'm kind of navigating. I'm just bringing him along for the ride. Well, hey, listen, Jesus can't be in the trunk for very long. So we take communion and have this experience with him to bring him back into the front seat of our lives. It literally means to bring, to remember, is to bring back into the forefront of your focus, yep. put him front and center. Because some of us, because of money, because of relationships because of stupid decisions that we've made in life have thrown him into the back seat and say, yeah, you're good, Jesus, but I don't want you navigating with me in the front seat. Wow. I don't want you telling me where I'm going. I'll tell you even where you should go with me. Back into the That's not how it works. God will let it work for a while until you crash the vehicle and then realize, oh my gosh, okay, you should have been in the front seat. I went the wrong way. I, now I get it. How many have ever experienced that before? I know we all have. We realize we went the wrong way. Well, communion keeps him in the front seat as the navigator mm. that's really good wow what a good message i really hope that encourages you i know it encouraged me thankfulness and betrayals they kind of go together and we we land in that story where jesus uh you know is is with his disciples the last supper and on the night he was betrayed he gave Thanks. He gave Eucharistio. He released favor in the moment. And something happened. It just wasn't no longer a symbol anymore. It wasn't just, we're going to eat some bread and drink some wine. No, we're going to connect in the spirit with something more powerful than, than you could even imagine. And this is going to be a precedent, something that is to be practiced over and over again when I leave so that you are reminded of who I am. You're reminded of what I've done. You're reminded of my death and you're reminded of my resurrection. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you right now on Thanksgiving Sunday to join into this moment. If you've got your elements, you got your bread or whatever it is for you, and you have your wine or your grape juice, whatever you want to do. And we're going to thank God that in this moment, it's going to change our perspective of the season, that we're going to see through the betrayal. We're going to see through the season of, of chaos and quarantine and, and just confusion. And we're going to see what God wants to do, that we're, we're, where we're offended in life, where we're offended by people or by life itself. We're going to choose to see that I'm going to be blessed through the offense. I'm going to be blessed 
through the betrayal. I'm going to see all this as part of my destiny. And I'm going to add some, like I said, grr to the attitude that maybe I had that was negative. And I'm going to have an attitude now of gratitude. And I'm going to thank God on this Sunday, that even though maybe I'm sick in my body, I'm gonna thank God that by his stripes, I have been made whole, that I have been healed. I wanna be like that one out of 10 lepers that doesn't just get cleansed, but comes back and thanks Jesus, and as a result, grows the limbs back, grows, uh, uh, has a full manifestation of healing, mind, soul, spirit, and body. I want to be like that guy. So today, I want to encourage you, whatever you're at in life, no matter what's going on in your life right now, I want to encourage you to come into a spirit of thankfulness right now as we take the communion and as we engage together. So God, I thank you for your body. I thank you for your body that was broken for me, your body that was broken for my sickness, for my healing, for the disease that maybe ravages my body. I thank you, God, that in the broken body, I can find wholeness and healing in Jesus' name. And so today, today, I receive your healing through your broken body. And in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for the, the, the blood. Thank you for the blood. Your blood, it cleanses me of my past, present, and future sin that you have already forgiven me. And as I take and drink, God, I'm reminded that your blood was spilled out on the cross to literally destroy sin, to cut away that sin nature that plagued me, that dominated me. And so today, I I'm receiving the full package and I'm bringing you back into the forefront of my focus in Jesus' name. Let's take communion together. Wow. I'm praying for you this morning that as you just receive communion, that God would touch you in your body God would touch you in your emotions. He would touch your mental state. And that God would just radically shift your perspective in this season to see through everything, to see God a God perspective as you bring him back to the forefront of your mind. I pray that God would give you some gur to your attitude in this last season and give you some major gratitude in this season. And as you position yourself in a spirit of thankfulness that everything that's behind the gate or the locked doors in your life all of a sudden would be accessible to you. Those things that you've been believing for, those breakthroughs that you've been believing to break through into, you've had all the breaking, now you just need the through. And God wants to break you through into the promises that are behind the thing that's been locked to you in Jesus' name this morning. And so God, I just pray right now that you would overwhelm everyone watching, God, that this Thanksgiving Sunday, that God, you would just, over all of us, just release a greater sense of thankfulness to invite your good and well-meaning favor into this season, seeing transformation on every side, God, that you would uh, allow us to see what you're doing in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, God, I pray for those that are sick in their body, that they'd be made whole and healed today, supernaturally right now. That God, those that are watching that just need a healing in their body, in their emotions, that God, you would touch them right now in Jesus' name on Thanksgiving Sunday as we thank you, God, in the communion for what you've done, that you have set us free, that God, you have forgiven us past, present, and future and raised us to new life in Jesus' name. If you're watching, you've never said yes to Jesus, 
and you know you you're you're kind of on the fence right now maybe you've been searching you've been looking for answers in this season and maybe somehow you landed on our online experience whether it's after the fact or on Sunday live we're glad that you're with us but i believe that you landed here not by mistake, that God has a plan for your life, has a purpose for your life. And I'm thanking God for you that you landed here today and that you're watching this right now. And I believe that God wants to transform your life. He created you with a purpose. He created you to know him in relationship. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be transformed. You will be saved. And all you have to do, it's the starting point. It isn't the end. It's the starting point. It's the first step just to say, hey, God, I believe you're real. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you're Lord. I want you in my life. I want you to lead my life. And today, I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you were raised from the dead to raise me to new life. You died on the cross. You forgave me of my sin. And that without you, I can't do what you've called me to do. Today, I want a relationship with you. If you're open to that, if, you're, if your heart is saying yes to that, and you want to come into a relationship with Jesus, I would love to hear from you. Send us, or hear from you. Send us an email at prayer at kingdomculture.ca. Let us know so we can be a, be a part of the next steps of your journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Kingdom Culture to all our extended family watching, those that are new with us, thank you for tuning in on Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving Sunday. We hope you have an amazing weekend and we will see you next week.